Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Good morning, church. I'm so glad that you're here today. I want you to know that I'm on vacation. I usually need a vacation about this time of year, and so thank you for the opportunity to be away. In my absence, Brandon Hayes is going to be preaching. I know that you love hearing him preach because you always tell me he's our university pastor right here at Southcrest. And so today as he comes to preach, I want you to smile, I want you to pray for him, and right now I want you to welcome him as he comes to preach God's Word. Good morning. Excited to be with y'all. If you have your Bible, I hope you do. Go ahead and turn to the book of Acts. We're going to do a little kind of mini-series in the book of Acts, and we're going to um, be in chapter 3. I had the privilege, I guess, about two months ago to, to walk through Acts 1 and 2 with y'all. And so today we're going to pick up in Acts 3 uh, and 4 and kind of be summarizing some of it and reading some of it just because there's a, there's a lot there. Um, this, this may sound funny too, but you'll notice some of you may have already come close to a heart attack. But in, uh, in your bulletin, the notes there, you see there are no blanks. And you're like, <sighs> it's okay. We're, we're doing a narrative. Um, and I feel like with, with a narrative sermon, there's really, there's really one big point. Now, lots of truths, so that's why we give you a whole sheet. You can write some things down. But really, I got one major point that hopefully you'll see very clearly as we go through this. So please don't, please don't fret or uh, be stressed about the no blanks there. Um, but hey, let me pray for us and we're going to dive into God's word. I'm excited about what God is going to do this morning. Let's pray together. God, we're grateful uh, for this opportunity to study your word, to be with your people. And um, we ask that you would just speak to us, Lord, that you would challenge us, that you would give us open ears and open hearts for what you want to do today. Lord, it's a privilege to be in your presence, as Jeff prayed earlier, and we look forward to what you're going to do. If you would, just take a moment with your head still bowed, um, just to to pray that you would receive God's word, that he would speak to you, and also if you would pray um, for me this morning. God, we love you, and I look forward to what you're going to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You know, I've discovered in life that some people just have the it factor. When I say it factor, I mean, they're just bold. They, they want the challenge. They want the difficulty. They're not afraid to face it head on. They have the it factor. And uh, this, this week we were at the um, Noah's Ark encampment up in Colorado, Buena Vista, Colorado, and had a great time up there uh, with the college students and young adults. And all of the guides there have this it factor that I'm talking about. Do you know what I mean? They're just, they're bold. They're not afraid of difficulty. They want the challenge. And I'm really glad that that is the case. Uh, this year, the water on the Arkansas River, some of y'all have been up there and rafted Browns Canyon, uh, was really high. It was about 3,600 CFS the day that we rafted, which is, which is pretty, pretty high. And uh, the biggest rapid on that part of the river that we uh, raft, Browns Canyon, the biggest rapid is Sidell. And so it was big enough this year that when we um, got close to Sidell, they... Uh, 
not parked the boats, but put the boats on the side. I can't think of the word there. And some of the, the guides went out and kind of checked out, um, scouted out the rapid there. So we finally get to do Sidell. And most of the boats made it through. But there was one boat, um, well, they all made it through. No one died. But um, uh, there was one boat that struggled. And just to get you an idea of how big this wave was when you hit the rapid Sidell, one of our guys, Caden, man, this dude is a beast of a man. He's like a man child, like just a big guy. Um, he could probably walk on at Texas Tech for fullback or something because he's a big dude. And Caden was in the front of the, the raft. I think he was the raft leader, a raft captain, captain. He was up there calling the shots. Well, they hit Sidell, and the wave was so big that when they came through the rapid, Caden, who was in the very front of the raft, was now sitting, or excuse me, laying in the very back of the raft. So you can imagine that like about a hundred pound girl in the back of the raft, there was nothing behind her. So she was in the water. Um, yeah, oh no is the right word. She got flipped a couple of times and eventually kind of spat her back out. But if I'm honest, I was never too terribly worried because those guides have the it factor. They would, they would do anything to take care of them, to rescue them. Um, I promised all the mamas and daddies that I would do anything it took, but I was glad the, rap, the guides were there to do it for me. Um, and she swam hard back to the boat. But I didn't worry too much because those guides had that it factor. They're bold, they're brave. They want to face it on, head on. They're, they're not scared. Um, a lot of people in life are like that. If you kept up with the NBA finals, any uh, Kawhi Leonard, who used to play for the Raptors and won the championship with them, but now just got switched over to the Clippers. I, I should say he went to the Clippers. And uh, he has that it factor. He wants to take the shot as the buzzer's going off. Our Texas Tech boy, Patrick Mahomes, who has been lighting up the NFL, he has that it factor, right? He wants the ball. Amen. <laughs> he, wants, he wants to drive in, on the, in the fourth quarter in the last few minutes. He's got the it factor. He's bold. He's brave. Some people have this with music, right? The Beatles were this way. They, wanted, uh, they, did, they weren't afraid of the stage, of the challenge. Uh, Ariana Grande, Post Malone, um, they're not afraid of the challenge of, of being in front of a crowd. They're, they're bold. They're brave. But it's not just famous people, right? You all know a lot of people that have the it factor, but maybe some of you have the it factor. Maybe it's the student who wants the difficult um, project to present to their class. Maybe it's the woman who is in business and she's not afraid to tackle the tough challenge, the tough assignment, or she's not gonna back down from the difficult conversation. Um, maybe it's the dad who just says, no matter what this family faces, we're gonna be strong. I'm gonna push us through it. They have the it factor. Maybe it's the the 10-year-old who wants to be on the mound in the ninth inning as, as things are winding down. They want to win the game. But, you know, I've noticed, too, that with the it factor, some people have the it factor when it comes to faith. Have you ever noticed that? Like, if I'm honest, I, I don't feel like I have the, the it factor when it comes to my faith. Let me explain what I mean a little bit. Um, my father-in-law, who I don't feel he's in this service, he's actually here today, maybe in the venue. Um, and I was going to say this whether he was here or not, but my father-in-law, Mr. Powell, he has the it factor. He, I feel like every time we're together, whether we're back in Florida visiting family or they're here, he is just bold about his faith. And he's so natural about it. Don't you guys envy people like that? I feel like when I try to share the gospel with somebody or talk about Jesus, I'm like, whew, whew, I get all nervous and weird. And he's just so natural. He just sees the opportunity and he just takes it. He, it's like he has this it factor. Or I mentioned to y'all before that I've had the opportunity to go to India a couple of times. And I feel like the pastor's there 
have this it factor. They're just, they're bold, they're brave. They want to stand for Christ even when things get difficult. Some of them have lost their homes, their families, their friends, literally the clothes off their back, but they're still passionate about Jesus. They want to preach about him, not just on a platform like this, but at the marketplace in conversations. They're not afraid to be bold. They have that it factor. How, I want to know, how can you be so bold for Christ even when things are difficult? How can you be bold even when the world opposes you? Now, two men that are a really, really great example of that are actually in the story we're going to read this morning. And it's Peter and John. These were followers of Christ. And these guys were so incredibly bold for Jesus. But when I think of people that had the it factor in their faith, these two guys were it. They were incredible. Now, as we pick up in chapter 3, we got to remember in chapter 1, Christ... uh, had again risen from the grave and now he was rising into heaven, ascended into heaven. And he said that, look, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit on you to give you uh, boldness, power to preach the gospel. And that's what you're supposed to do. You're going to preach the gospel to all the earth. That's your assignment. And sure enough, Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came and the church began to blossom and grow. People were being changed, being saved, uh, encountering Christ. It was an amazing thing. And so in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are going about living out what they've been called to do. And uh, I'm going to summarize some of this, but Chapter 3, Peter and John are going to the temple in Jerusalem. It was about 3 in the afternoon. And uh, as they're walking up, there's this man that we were going to see later in chapter 4. He's about 40 years old. This man that has been carried to the gate of the temple so he could beg for money. Now this man uh, was 40 years old at this time and was crippled from birth. Can you imagine that? Never knowing the just the pleasure of being able to walk somewhere. It says that he was so crippled, he, he, couldn't, like, he couldn't even crawl to the gate. Someone had to carry him to the gate to, to try to get money, to, not to make a living, but just to live, to have food and survive. And it says that Peter and John, as they were walking by, I love it, it says in verse, um, verse four, it says, Peter directed his gaze at him. Now, this is a little side note, but I got to point this out. Peter and John do what almost none of us do. So they're, they're walking into the temple. They see what for all purposes is a, a homeless man, a poor man begging. And rather than ignoring him, they, they make eye contact, which most of us, what do we do? We're driving in the car. Someone's at the side of the road begging. And we're like, I got a crick in my neck. I just cannot turn that direction, right? Like we just sit there. And, but as soon as the light turns green magically, we're like, oh, see you later. Have a good day. Like, no, Peter and John, they treated him like he was a human being. They made eye contact with him. And the man begs for money. I love verse five. It says, Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I love verse seven. Excuse me, rise up and walk. Verse seven. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Woo! Could you imagine somebody coming in the worship center like that this morning? Walking and leaping. I can walk. This is awesome. You waking up yet? Man, he was so excited. Think about it. 40 years, he couldn't move. He couldn't walk. And now... I'm sure when they said, stick out your hand, he was like, oh, we'll do this again. Nothing's going to happen. Sticks his hand out, and all of a sudden his legs became strong. I can walk. And imagine what that did to the, you know, not to offend us, but the typical religious goers walking into the temple. They got their sacrifices. Time to come to worship, to pray. And this man is just losing his mind in excitement. 
my life just got changed. So as they're walking in, they all recognize this man, and they're going, wait, wait a second. All of a sudden, the, the typical religious people who are a little asleep are now waking up, and they're like, the dude who was always laying down is not laying down. <laughs> he's up, and he's walking. What is going on? And kind of understandably, the people begin to gather not just around the man, but around Peter and John, because they're going, that's really cool that you're healed and fixed and you can walk now, but who are these dudes that they could help you to get up and walk? <laughs> so it says they were gathering around in uh, verse 10, it says, in wonder and amazement at what had happened. I love it says that the man uh, in verse 11 was clinging to Peter and John. You can't blame him, right? <laughs> like, just got healed. He's clinging to them. But they're, they're gathered around wondering what's going on. And we want to slow down here for a second. I think when we read a narrative, it's easy to just kind of brush through it. Um, but we need to kind of read it slowly and think about maybe some of the tension that would have been felt, what was going on. Maybe uh, use a sanctified imagination. <laughs> um, they, they have a choice here as people are asking what's going on. Peter and John could uh, take the credit. You're right. We healed them. We are awesome. <laughs> they could take the credit. They could act like see some danger coming and act like nothing happened. Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe he got some ibuprofen. Maybe he was faking. I don't know. We're going to go home. Um, or they could preach the gospel. But here's the thing. If they preach the gospel, there's just some danger involved. The people at the temple, the religious leaders, were they big fans of Jesus? No. About 40 days earlier, they had killed him brutally. So if Peter and John preach the gospel, there's potential for danger. Not only that, they weren't authorized to preach and teach in the temple. <laughs> weren't really, hadn't been given that responsibility, that privilege. And more than that, the, the, the Jews were always wanting and, and desiring to keep peace with Rome so that Rome wouldn't come in and just crush them. And so if the Jews caught wind of a little stir down at the temple, they might smack it down real quick because they don't need Rome coming in and smacking down them. Nevertheless, look what Peter and John do. Verse 12. When Peter, in, in chapter 3 still. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel... Why do you wonder at this or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that is, Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's pretty bold, right? He said, hey, I'll tell you what happened. Y'all killed Jesus, but guess what? Jesus got up because he's God and it's by the faith in Jesus that this man was healed. And maybe you didn't know Jesus, but we did. And we're telling you, you know this man, you saw how he's changed, how he's been healed. We're telling you it was Jesus. 
And then he calls them to repentance. So turn to Jesus so you can have life, so you can have refreshing from the Lord, so you can be forgiven. Verse 25, says, turn away from your wickedness and turn to Jesus. Man, he's so bold in proclaiming Christ. But anytime you do that, proclaim Christ, sometimes people get a little irritated, right? Check out chapter 4. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of them came to about 5,000. Is this good or bad? It's good, but is there a little like snag here? Like is the story quite over? What's the snag? They're in jail. (laughs) Peter and John, the the leaders of the new movement of of Christ followers, they're in jail. I don't know about y'all, but like, I don't want to go to jail. (laughs) So this this is great, but it's kind of bittersweet. The sweet is people are getting saved. This is awesome. The bitter is the leaders of this movement are now like, they just got arrested. <laughs> like, let's just put it in perspective. If I finished this sermon and a lot of people got saved, but I was arrested, it's kind of a bittersweet moment for me, right? If I'm just being real, like, I, I, I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> I think that's a logical or a normal thing to say. <laughs> it's interesting. This is the first time that Christ followers were imprisoned. I never really thought about that until I really dug into this passage. The leaders of the church, Peter and John, been preaching for the really kind of the first, second time, and they're put in prison. Now, I know these were bold dudes, but I can't help but think that that, that first night in prison was a little bit terrifying, knowing that they had just preached Jesus to the very people who had killed Jesus. <laughs> You know, sometimes it's easy to be bold and brave and courage, courageous and kind of have that it factor until maybe the reality of danger is close enough that you can see it, touch it, smell it. <laughs> and that's where they were in that prison. The reality of danger, of harm because of their boldness was very real. And you know, a lot of times they say, well, joy comes in the morning. And that's true, but it wasn't exactly true in this situation. If you read on in verse 5, it says that the next day, the rulers and the elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who are of the high priestly family. I don't know if you remember, Annas and Caiaphas were directly involved, you could even say responsible for the arrest, joke of a um, trial and crucifixion of Jesus. This just got real serious. These are not just random leaders anymore who are about to try them or to talk to them and ask them questions. These are the very men who really had Jesus killed and they've been proclaiming Jesus. This is a heavy moment. It says, if you read in chapter four, it says that 
uh, they really, they've got this, all the rulers and elders, kind of a council. They gather them together and kind of circle up and they call Peter and John into the midst of them. Can you imagine, can you just feel that tension of being called to the center of this room of these elders, these rulers who just killed Jesus. You've been talking about Jesus and now they could very well get you killed for what you've done. So Annas, Caiaphas, the leaders, they call everyone in, call Peter and John to the middle of the room. You can just imagine, shh, quiet, quiet. We're going to talk to these men and see what they've been doing. And they asked them, by what power did you do this? I can just imagine Peter trying to push his heart down back into where it's supposed to belong out of his throat. (laughs) Taking a deep breath. And he says, if we are being, I'm in verse 9, if we are being examined today, Concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whoa, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Woo, that's bold. (laughs) It's easy. It's, man, way easy for me to get a a friend of the day was like, you're pretty bold. Man, you, you, you people, (laughs) y'all love Jesus. It's not real hard to be bold right here. I can't imagine having that kind of boldness he had right there. He wasn't, he wasn't rude, but he also wasn't politically correct, right? He just told him how it was. You killed Jesus, but Jesus is the son of God and offers you life. How's that for boldness, right? Man, it says that they were so bold that the, <laughs> that the leaders, they saw their boldness and they were astonished. Like they can't believe how bold that Peter and John were. And they, it says they noticed that these are uneducated, common men, but they're so stinking bold. It says that because of that, they knew they had been with Jesus, not like in this They've been with Jesus, like devotional sense. But man, that's how Jesus spoke. He was uneducated, common man from a small town. Yet he spoke with boldness and authority and power. And that's how these guys are speaking. So all of a sudden they realize we have a problem. So the the council send Peter and John out of the room and they begin to talk. What are we going to do with these guys? We can't deny, I mean, mean, this is kind of summarizing uh, Chapter, chapter 4, like 13 uh, through 16, says we can't deny that this man has been healed, but we can't have these two fools going out and preaching about Jesus. So they say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell them they can't talk about Jesus anymore. Like, period. So they call Peter and John back into the midst of them, and which I, I would have loved to have been, we don't know, but I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall as Peter and John were outside. Like, you ever been... You know people are talking about you, but you're in a different room. You're like trying to distract yourself, but you really can't. I'm sure they were just like, what are they saying? What are they saying? I don't know. They're called back into the council. And this is not like being scolded by your elementary teacher. These men could literally kill them. And they say to Peter and John, we're going to let you go, but not another word about Jesus. Keep your mouth shut. We don't want to hear about it. Keep your mouth shut. And I'll be darned, look what Peter and John say. (laughs) 
Verse 19, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you're gonna have to judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. <laughs> that is so bold. How are they doing that? That is incredible. Hey, you, we're gonna go, like you said we could go, we're gonna go. But whether we should listen to you or God, you can decide. We're gonna listen to God and we're gonna keep talking about Jesus. <laughs> so bold. I love it says the council was like, no, really, stop talking about him. Get out of here. I'm sure they were just frustrated, right? Like, Durr. <laughs> Won't you listen to us? How were they so bold? I mean, this is over and over again, the world was opposing them, and yet they just kept standing stronger almost, being bold, talking about Jesus, proclaiming Jesus. How are they doing this? We know it's not because they were in an easy situation. Oh, it was easy for them. No, they could get killed. We know it's not because, you know, Peter and John, they just went to the perfect seminary. It's, you really should check out that school. It's really great, really good training. No, they were common, uneducated men. We know it's not because it was the popular thing to do. If you're in the middle of a crowd and they're all like questioning you because they disagree with you, that's not really the cool thing. How were they so bold even when the world opposed them? And the answer, some of you may have caught it, is back in... Chapter 4, verse 8. Remember what happened in chapter 2? What, what happened to the disciples? The Holy Spirit came, right? Look at chapter 4, verse 8. Right as they asked Peter and John, by what power did you do this? Before Peter even opened his mouth, verse 8, it says, Then Peter filled with the what? The Holy Spirit. How were Peter and John so bold, even, even though the religious authorities were opposing them? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, I think the, the, really the big idea of Acts 3 and 4, it shows us that Acts chapter 2 was not a fluke. The Holy Spirit, it's not like he just dipped down at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. No, believers from that time and forevermore who trust in Jesus Christ are filled with the Holy Spirit to give them boldness. Does that include you and me? Yes, absolutely. How can we boldly proclaim, by the way, this is the one point. If you're like, what's the one point? Here it is. Don't miss it. How can we boldly talk about Jesus even when the world opposes us? through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, we may not have, quote, the it factor, but the Holy Spirit is the it factor. <laughs> if you have the Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, you have the it factor. Now we make so many excuses. Well, I don't have the personality to be bold and share Christ, or I don't know enough to share Christ, or I'm just kind of shy, I'm kind of quiet. I get all that, but we're all called to be witnesses. And if you have the Holy Spirit, you have it. <laughs> you can share the gospel, you can be bold. So many of us waste, in a sense, the Holy Spirit. And what I mean by that is, let me give you an example. Pretend you're in college. For some of you, that's easy. For some of you, you have to dig a little deeper. But pre pretend, uh, that was mean, sorry. Pretend you're, you're in college and your, your parents call you and say, hey, I want to send you on the ski trip of a lifetime. I've, I've purchased all the right gear, this really amazing gear. I, I've paid your way to get up to Vail or Taos or Breckenridge, wherever you want to say. Um, I've paid your way there. I've got your resort paid for. You're going to have food taken care of. Um, you're going to have 
a professional former Olympian ski instructor or snowboarder, whatever you want to be, it's your imagination. But um, they're going to be there to train you and to equip you and to walk alongside you and to help you. All you got to do is go and I've got you. I'm going to help you. How foolish would you be to say, I, I don't know, but what if, I, what, if I, what if I'm bad at it? Or what if I embarrass myself? What if I fall? Like, I don't, that's embarrassing. Your parents would say, are you kidding me? Look at all these resources I've given you to help you. Just, just go. Like, I got it. It's not on you. It's on me. That's what the Holy Spirit says to us. Don't worry about being embarrassed if you're going to like fall on your face or if you've done this before. It's on me. Just go. The power of the Holy Spirit in you gives you the ability to be bold, to share the gospel. That could look so many different ways. Maybe it looks like um, my buddy Aaron, who's in the oil and gas industry, and the Holy Spirit convicted him to be more bold at work and to be a light in the oil and gas industry because they kind of need some light occasionally. And so um, he went back and thought through his, his core values and our mission and our purpose and knew that by bringing those new core values and mission that were really centered around Jesus and inspired by Jesus, he knew that taking that to his team could maybe raise some questions and turn some heads. But because of the power of the Holy Spirit, he went and boldly changed his company, really. He's in the process of changing his company. Is that pretty incredible? Absolutely. Maybe it's like my buddy Zach. I think a lot of us have felt this way before. My buddy Zach, he uh, got a chip in his windshield and a company, a guy had come out from a company to, to work on it. And he was in his house, sitting on the couch, watching TV. And the Holy Spirit kind of began to tap Zach and say, hey, you, you should go talk to this guy about, about Jesus. And Zach did what a lot of us do. What? Well, I don't, God, get away. <laughs> Quit t- tell me what to do, right? Like, shoot. And kept tapping him, you need to go talk to this guy. So Zach got up and went out to this gentleman who was uh, working on his windshield. And like a lot of us has felt, Zach said he felt really cringy. And he was like, didn't know where to begin. So he was like, so uh, how'd you get in the rock chip business? <laughs> And which is not as awkward as he thought it was. And they started having a conversation. And um, the guy asked Zach what he did. And Zach said, well, I'm a Christian. I work at a church some. And I, um, I work at a coffee shop. And they began to have an incredible conversation about who Jesus really is. And really biblical gospel-centered Christianity versus just cultural Christianity. Had an incredible conversation about Jesus. That all began with him just being bold and following the nudging of the Holy Spirit. I think about, again, it could look so many ways, being bold. I think about um, my wife, her, Lauren, her freshman year, <clears throat> excuse me, in college. I can't remember what class it was, but the professor um, was talking about an issue and wanted a Christian perspective. And he said, are there any Christians in the class? And Lauren said she, she didn't raise her hand. She was like, I'm not going to get embarrassed. And she felt, again, the Holy Spirit go, hello. <laughs> she said, all right. So she stood up or raised her hand. And the professor said, Lauren, please stand up and share with us the Christian perspective. She did, and immediately uh, when she sat down, the professor began to mock her and, and make fun of her. And the rest of the semester, that's what he did. Anytime he was talking about an issue, Lauren, please stand. We'd love to hear the Christian perspective. She would finish, and he would mock her. But she did it boldly over and over and over again by the power of the Holy Spirit. And listen to what happened. You don't always know what, what happened. It's not really up to you, the outcome of you being bold for Christ but we are called to be bold. And this is what happened. There was a girl named Meredith in that class who was an atheist. Um, and as she saw Lauren being bold for Christ, she eventually went to Lauren and said, hey, I, I've seen your boldness and you really believe in Jesus. And uh, they began to have a conversation. And every month for that year, 
they would go and get lunch or dinner and talk about the gospel. That's pretty amazing. I don't know if Meredith is a Christian today, but I know that because of the Holy Spirit being the it factor, empowering Lauren to be bold, Meredith heard the gospel. It's incredible. Being bold is going to look so many different ways, but being bold is not an option because the Holy Spirit crushes our excuses. J. Hudson Taylor, a British missionary to China for 51 years, said that all of God's giants have been weak men who believed that God was with them. <laughs> it's pretty cool. If I'm honest, I, as we finish up here, don't close your Bible. I want to read one more verse, but uh, as we're finishing here, I, I too often, too often am a weak man, I, not a giant of God. I want that to change. I'm assuming maybe some of y'all are like me. I remember, uh, like I mentioned earlier, we were in Colorado this past week, and on Friday, we went to uh, Leadville to go to this really cool store, Melanzana, get these cool hoodies or whatever. And um, anyways, so it's so sort of random, but we're at this store. And um, one of our girls, she, she babysits, one of the college girls, she babysits for Lauren and I a lot. And she was, her uh, card, her credit card company, like was stopping at the payment for her jacket for going through because she was in Colorado and she's from Texas. So they thought fraud was happening, right? So they stopped her card or something like that. And so I just put out my card. I went up to the front and when she was in the back, I, I said, hey, let me just get her jacket. And uh, the girl said, the girl behind the counter said, oh my gosh, that is so sweet. Like kindness is prevailing. This is amazing. She's like, I'm so excited. You're like such a kind of person. And I felt the Holy Spirit tap me and say, hey, this is an opportunity. Like talk about Jesus. And instead, while what I said was true, here's what I said. I said, well, she, she babysits for our kids all the time. Like, man, I'm happy to do it. Now, what I said was not wrong. That was the truth. But I had an opportunity, and I totally wimped out. <laughs> totally wimped out. Y'all ever done that before? What would happen if even just the people in this room and in the venue watching online, what if this small group realize that the it factor is the Holy Spirit and he empowers us to be bold. How would that change the world? I think we could maybe kind of grow in our awareness of the Holy Spirit and his power within us by doing what the disciples did after they were released. It says that when they were released from the council, like you can imagine them high-fiving each other. Yes, we didn't get killed. And uh, it says they went back and told their friends what had happened. It says, they, I'm in the end of chapter four, they began to praise God and said, man, like we can see God's hand all over this. All through the scriptures, he said these things would happen. And Jesus is being lifted up. We're getting to preach about him. It's awesome. And look at verse 29. Look at their, their prayer. This blows my mind. And I, I want this to be our prayer this morning. It says, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now listen to this. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Can you imagine being as bold as they were and then praying for more boldness? Man, that's incredible. Man, as, as uh, Jerry and our instrumentalists come on out, I want us to mimic them this morning, to come this morning and say, God, 
we want to be bold. Fill us with your Holy Spirit to be bold. And I want to clarify, if you know Jesus, you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you just might need a little like encouragement, a little shot in the arm. Does that make sense? To be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be filled up with boldness, to be aware of that boldness. And that's what we want to do this morning is to, to come with open arms and say, Holy Spirit, please come and fill us and give us boldness to speak the word with power and truth and love. I don't know if like what happened there, I don't know if Lubbock will literally be shaken. Like that might actually be kind of scary. <laughs> I don't know if I want an earthquake in Lubbock, but man, wouldn't it be cool if when we prayed that, God began to shake our hearts with the power of the Holy Spirit. How might your family look different? How might the place you work look different? How might when school starts back, your school look different? How might Lubbock look different if we were filled with the power and the boldness of the Holy Spirit, realizing that if we have the Spirit, we have the it factor. So what I want us to do this morning, if y'all would go ahead and stand, and in a moment, I'm gonna pray for us. And as we sing and as we respond, there'll be some, some pastors down front that would love to pray with you, love to answer any questions you may have, love to talk to you about what it means to know Jesus, to believe in his life, death, and resurrection and the, and the forgiveness he offers you when you repent. They'd love to talk with you about that. But if you're a Christian, I'm gonna ask as we sing this song after I pray that you would just maybe, I don't wanna push you, but maybe consider just kind of holding your hands out like this in like a receiving posture and just asking God, to fill you with the power and the boldness of the Holy Spirit. Just saying, God, I, I, I'm open hands. I, I want to be filled with boldness. Please fill me up. Please shake my heart. I'm going to pray and then we'll respond. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information to make a commitment or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555 you can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.